This message was presented at the GYC 2010 No Turning Back Conference in Baltimore, Maryland. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come together and to share and to learn these precious truths about you. And Lord, um, as we discuss this, this uh, topic of idol worship today, may this be to your glory. And um, Lord, may, we, may, may you speak through me every single thing that you want everyone here to hear. And um, hide me behind your cross, Lord. We love you. Amen. Is this turned on? So today's message is titled, American Idols. And it's a little expose on this whole phenomenon that's coming out lately called the superhero movies. How many of you, and I just want to see a raise of hands, I've seen a lot of superhero movies in my life, so don't feel like you, you, you know, shouldn't raise your hand or anything. I just want to see, how many people have ever seen a Superman or a Batman movie? Okay, I want you guys to look around the room and see how many hands just went up. Okay? That is why the impact of what we're going to talk about today is, is, is necessary. Um, today's message is not necessarily for the faint at heart. I want to give you a sort of a disclaimer. This stuff can get really heavy. And what we're going to show you today is... is it's not easy to digest. I remember the first time that, that, that somebody showed me, and I was just, whoa, wow. So um, definitely, um, you know, I want to I wanna leave you with that disclaimer. If you've never, ever seen these images, if you're never, ever going to see these images, maybe today's message might not be for you. But I believe it's necessary as we travel around and speak to a lot of our churches and schools, we notice that almost everybody is seeing these movies. So that's why we want to talk about it. So, the title is American Idols. When Christ was being asked by a lawyer, which one of the commandments is the greatest commandment? In Matthew twenty-two thirty-five through 38, it says, um, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And then he goes on to say, and the second one is like unto it, that you should love God your neighbor as yourself. But the greatest commandment that he's saying is love God. Love God completely. In fact, when we look at the Ten Commandments, I don't think that we look at this enough. You look at the first commandment and it says, the, and God spoke these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Why did God say you should have no other gods before me? You know, all the cultures around the world that have worshipped many different idols, Baal, you name it, whatever idol they worshipped, do you know that each one of those idols, such as Baal, what was Baal giving to the people? Do you remember? Rain and prosperity. But if they needed something else, they had to go to a different god. So these gods that were worshipped by the world could not be an all-encompassing God. And here our God is saying, no, 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 you don't need another God. I am the only source of everything that you need. Therefore, you should only worship me. The second commandment. 
And you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in the heaven and the earth beneath or in the waters below. You should not bow down or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those that hate me. Pause for a second. Did you sink that in right there? Punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and to the fourth generation. Now, let me ask you a question. If you walked out this door today and you were to murder somebody, is your kids and their kids and their kids going to be punished because of that? That's a heavy stipulation to put on something. Would you agree? Because of our sin of following and making other images and worshiping those images, God is very clear that this is definitely one of his most, if you will, hated things. This is a very serious matter, idol worship, and we don't really take it that seriously. It's passive in our, in our culture. We hear the, the, the word idol a lot, and it's, it's, it's just not quite as heavy as I believe God needed us to understand it. So Isaiah 60, do you know what the Israelites were supposed to be to the world? What did God raise up this people, the lowest people on the totem pole? They were just slaves for years. They were those people that were kicked down by everybody. And God said, I'm going to take these people up and I'm going to raise them to the top like in Isaiah 60, so they will arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord shall be risen upon thee. For behold, thy darkness shall cover the old earth, gross darkness of thy people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen in thee. God intended to raise up Israel and show the world who the character of God was through Israel. That was the purpose. How many of you have heard that we are spiritual Israel? Lots of you. How many have you read the story of the, of the Israelites coming out of the land of Egypt into the promised land? That's where we're at today. We are wandering in the desert, getting up to... We are now standing on the River Jordan, looking over into the promised land. We're so close, brothers and sisters. We are so close. And just like the Israelites, guess how Satan got them to fall from their position constantly? Idol worship. Over and over and over again. You read those stories in Deuteronomy. You read those stories in Exodus. It is just nonstop. The Israelites falling prey to idol worship. So I believe that we can learn a lot from this experience. And in fact, 1 Corinthians 10 is a whole chapter about the dangers of idol, idolatry. Moreover, brethren, I would not ye that, that ye should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized unto Moses and in the cloud and in the sea and all did eat the same spiritual meat. All did drink the same spiritual drink for they drink of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were for our examples to the intent that we should not lust after these evil things as they also lusted. So Paul is saying even in his day, look, we can learn from these guys. What happened to these guys is the same thing that's happening in our day. 
And I believe that we can even learn from Paul and from all these other people what happened back then is still happening today on a grand scale. So that's, that's a pretty, pretty cut straightforward thing. 1 Corinthians 10, 20 through 22. But I say the things that which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. I would ye that ye have no fellowship with the devils. For ha- ye cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and partakers of the devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Those are pretty clear words. Is it possible like the world follows and worships and, 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 and is really into some of these idols, is it possible for us to have and sit at the same table? Are we stronger than he? Are we, are we provoking the Lord's jealousy? You see, right here it says they sacrifice to devils. When they, when they sacrifice to idols, does the idol really walk and see and talk? The idol's a representation of devils. What's behind the idols are devils. So let's talk about superheroes. What does it mean to be a superhero? Where do we get this idea of, of, of superheroes? If you look at just the definition of hero in a dictionary, it's a man of distinguished courage or ability admired by his brave deeds, noble qualities, which is classical mythology, or number two, a god a being of godlike prowess and beneficence who often came to be honored as divinity. So superheroes, in a nutshell, are super gods. Now, this next clip that I'm going to show you is um, of some of the DC comic writers themselves talking about where they came up with these ideas for these superheroes. Can you hear that? Only today they wear spandex and capes. Superman is I don't think it's his own. of a Moses figure as he is a Christ figure. You know, it's coming from another world, you know, having all this power and really saving lives. Our redemption is not going to come from here, goes the myth. Instead, we'll be saved from the outside. Batman, the Dark Knight detective, Gotham's greatest protector. His parents killed before him at an early age. He is the world's greatest detective. He's the world's greatest escape artist. And he's arguably the world's greatest hand-to-hand combatant. He also has a bazillion dollars. And that's not somebody you want to go up against. One of the reasons that Batman has been so popular for so long is his iconography is that of a demon. I mean, look at the paintings of medieval paintings of devils in museums, the bat wings, the horns. He looks like something that's dark and evil, and his origins are in an act of murder, and yet he's on your side. Wonder Woman is a perfect transition from the ancient myths. There are echoes of the Amazons in Homer's writing that refers to a tribe of women that lived without men that were terrifyingly efficient soldier warriors. Flash, the fastest man alive, can move at speeds near the speed of light, can outrace a bullet to its target, can 
run up the side of a building can actually cross the ocean before he has time to sink. There's the old Flash and then there's the new Flash. The old Flash is the perfect counterpart for Hermes or Mercury in the old myths. You know it immediately when you see the helmet, the helmet with the wings on it. It refers to the god of the messengers in a fascinating way. The artists who are creating today's comics are doing heroic work by taking the timeless tales that began in the world of myth and bringing them into the future. Are you with me? So these are the writers themselves saying, look, all we did was take Greek and Roman gods, put some spandex on them, and then handed them back to you. <laughs> you see, the devil doesn't really have very many new tricks, does he? They're not new. All he does is rewrap them, rehand them to different generations, and just we all kind of like get the same messages that probably the Greeks and Romans got way back then. So... That's just in the, in the comic books, where the comic book world comes from. Does this theme come across even in the normal superhero movies and the, and the like, Batmans and, and all those um, in real life? cultures call us by different names. Now all of a sudden it's superhero. Victor, you always thought you were a god. Lex, you're not a god. Gods are selfish beings who fly around in little red capes and don't share their power with mankind. They wish to cure us, but I say we are the cure. A conflict between the better and worse angels of our very nature. Now, humanity's only hope is our government's best-kept secret. Not easy for me to live my life being who I am, keeping secrets. The world doesn't need a savior, and neither do I. They can be a great people, Kalel. they wish to be. They only lack the light to show the way. For this reason, above all, their capacity for good. I have sent them you, my only son. How many of you have heard that story before? Interesting, huh? 
Interesting how they're still kind of putting this out there that, that you know, the only savior of the world is, is or the guy, that humanity's only hope is Hellboy? What? And then, of course, like Superman, they sent my only son to earth. These are very spiritual themes. But did you notice? See, if you listen to the words, that's the power of the media. If you haven't seen one of our home hypnotist videos that talks about the science of your brain, you have so much information flowing into your head at one time, it's so difficult for your brain to digest it all at once. So what happens is you kind of just go, uh, and your brain's thinking on the right side of your brain, not the left, and you're just soaking in everything they tell you. Superman just told you, I'm, I'm a guy, it's hard being me, keeping secrets. Who keeps secrets? Not the only son. So if you listen to what they say, they expose themselves quickly. I just found this in the New York Times. Superman returns to save mankind from their sins. Wow. They know this. In fact, I, I, I've given this presentation in front of um, some Adventist youth pastors. And one time I had an Adventist youth pastor come up to me extremely upset about what I was saying about Superman. And he was like, man, I'm using this to bring people into the church. And I'm just like, wow, you should really look into where the origin of these guys come from before you equate them to Christ. And of course, I just found this. DC Comics has a, uh, a comic of Superman on the front with angel wings, and it says redemption. I mean, they're not hiding who this character is. The idea of Superman came from Frederick Nietzsche, a vehemently anti-Christian or, um, he hated Christianity, and I uh, thought it was absurd and, and uh, weak to, to believe in Christianity. He was coined saying there is no God, only Superman, and that's where um, Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster got the idea for Superman. But when they first came out with the Superman comic book, Superman was actually evil. He was called the reign of Superman, and Superman was the bad guy. And then all of a sudden, in the, in the 40s, America went to war with Germany, Nazi... Um, Germany came up to power, and because Friedrich Nietzsche was German, all of a sudden they were like, oh, well, nobody's going to buy our magazine anymore. So they flipped Superman to be the good guy, changed a couple of things, and that's why we have the good Superman today. So it's Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster was the guys that uh, created this. They were two Jewish writers. Why that's important is because Superman is fighting against Lex Luthor, right? Lex is his great, um, his, his great archetype, if you will, or whatever. Kalel is Superman's real name, which is he the Hebrew translation is God, all that is God or totally God. Lex Luthor is Latin for law. So you have somebody that's totally claiming that he's a God fighting against the law. Interesting. And if some of you are at the uh, Magic Kingdom presentation, you'll see this constant attack of the law happens over and over again in such subtle ways, even as the names of the people that are in, involved in them. In fact, Superman has a comic book called Superman the Beast from Krypton where he has the 666 markings. And this, this comic book is all about how Superman is sick and tired of serving the human race. So he decides to demon possess Batman, Wonder Woman, Superwoman, and Green Lantern and they proceed to go out and destroy all of humanity. So does that sound like the Jesus Christ that you and I know and read? So how is it that they can equate this character if they say he looks like Jesus Christ, he's here to save you from your sins, what does it mean when you look like somebody, you talk like somebody, but you're not that somebody? It's called the Antichrist. 
So Superman is, in a sense, trying to claim and be a Christ, but he shares nothing with the Christ that you and I know. In fact, Batman, if you notice, remember in the little thing where they were asking the guy who writes for Batman where he comes from, and he says his iconography is that of a demon? So it doesn't surprise you that Batman has a, um, a comic book titled Son of the Demon. Batman, um, the ultimate evil, and like the one in the middle, Batman, uh, this is Batman with Bethlehem burning. Right here. The apocalypse is, is canceled until I say so. And this is Batman's Batman in Bethlehem. They know where these characters are coming from. They know who they are. They know what they represent. But they repackage them and send them out there and make them into the heroes. And if you've watched enough of our videos, like the Gnostic uh, gospel video that we have, we show how Hollywood flips this whole story of the great controversy upside down and is constantly placing up Lucifer and demonizing God. And once again, that, that, this is a perfect example of how they do that. Uh-oh. Hopefully it didn't freeze. And all of Gotham is wondering what to make of Batman, friend or foe. Do you want to turn off the light? I have given a name to my pain. Mysterious figure. And it is Batman. So this is one from the 1989 Batman. He's saying, all of Gotham is wanting to know, is Batman your friend or is he a foe? And of course, that was the Joker that you saw. Is Is it possible to turn off the lights? Oh, okay, gotcha. I don't know my computer's acting up. So here is one of Batman's, um, the comic book, the Batman in Bethlehem. And um, this is what it's saying um, right here. It's saying, we are sons of the same, fa- uh, of, this, of Batman in our own way. And this is Batman here, and this is also Batman, his son. And, and one of them's good, and one of them's bad, and they're, they're, they're fighting against each other and saying, we have the same father. We're sons of the same father, but me, I have another father, our father in hell. And then it says, I'm surprised that the son of Satan doesn't remember what they did to the son of God. And I guess the dragon forgot to mention the bargain that he made with me when I was 14 for Gotham's survival. So Batman is saying that, that he made a deal with this dragon to save Gotham. In return for my soul... And then he says, and I prayed and I prayed and he came, that old man, the dragon. He came with wings of black and skin like a bat and he anointed me his Messiah. Wow. This is where the real origin of the characters come from. You notice if you, if you see the history of these superhero movies, they're getting darker and darker as they come along. And now you can know because their origins and their their their. They're coming out and really showing you who these characters actually are. The Dark Knight, as you can see right here, this is IMDb International Movie Database, showing you the top movies in the world. Look at Avatar, almost $3 billion. Titanic is holding strong at almost $2 billion. 
Lord of the Rings, Pirate of the Caribbeans, Toy Story 3, Dark Knight is number seventh. I want you to just look at the top films in the world for a second. Occultic, 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 occultic. What is our world being indoctrinated with? Occultism at its highest level. So Batman, I want to show you this, has had themes for a long time of Egyptian themes. In fact, in the old 1960s Batman, this right here is King Tut. And he played a major part and a major role on the television show. So this got me thinking, okay, if Batman kind of has these Egyptian themes to it, I started looking into each one of the characters to see if I could find Egyptian mythology intertwined with Batman. And here's what I found. Boy, you really can't see that. I wonder if I can lighten my, my uh, screen here. No, that's not going to work. Okay, this is one of the scenes from, from Batman. Um, yeah, that was worse. <laughs> this right here, this right here is the Riddler. You. Just a friend, but you can call me the Riddler. I want you all to notice things in the background. There's a face in the background right here, okay? So I'll point that out in, in a second. For but if knowledge is power, then a god am. So he's saying if knowledge is power, then a god am I. He actually shares a lot in common with Osiris. In fact, if you notice Osiris' cane and then you start looking at um, all of the canes that he, that he holds, they all have this, this stripy thing on here with the little corn. And it's interesting to me that, that he's always wearing green and Osiris was, was noticed as, as always depicted as green because he was the rebirth, the, the, the change in, in uh, Egyptian mythology. I don't know why this is slow. If you remember Catwoman from one of the Batmans, where she gets tossed out of the window, hits the ground, comes back rather looking sort of possessed, goes into her room, smashes out the lights that are in her thing. It says, hell here, and she appears as Catwoman. And she has this really kind of seductive leather suit on. So what I found out about this woman, Catwoman, is guess what? The Egyptians have a Catwoman also called Bastet, the devouring lady worshipped in the delta city of Bastet, Babastis and usually depicted as a cat in animal, in, with a cat's head. You can't see that because it's red, so they must be missing the red. Human form with the head of a cat. She is the life-preserving goddess of joy and the protector of women, and she was also known as the cat with sec, with, as the sex symbol. That's what it says right here. So here is inside Mr. Two-Face's lair. Okay? You can't quite see this because it's very dark. But there is a split down the middle right here in the screen. This side is depicting his evil side. He has like all his dark, like, um, you know, he's roasting a, a pig on a fire. And on this side of him is an angel side. But I wanted to point something out, and you cannot see it because it's really dark, so I'll just have, you'll just have to trust me on this. If you want to come up to my computer and see it later, you can. How many candlesticks are right there? Seven. You are correct. 
guess what? There is food on the table. There is this smoky stuff here. There's an inner room right here with a depiction of Jesus Christ with the crown of thorns on his head in the outer room. Wow. Messing with the sanctuary message, I think. A little bit. And so Mr. Two-Face here is now, is, is, is now depicted as the bad guy. He was Harvey Dent, who was the good guy. Here's the seven-lamp candlestick. We're of two minds about what to eat first. <laughs> so Mr. Two-Face here actually shares a lot in common with Ismud, or uh, the official god of the Eot. He was having two faces, and Isma um, acted as a messenger and sometimes was shown bringing the Birdman before Isma. And for those of you that have seen the latest Batman, The Dark Knight, what was Harvey Dent's job? He was an official, right? And here, here he's, a, he's an official. So it's very interesting that they're, they're sharing all these like Egyptian things. Now, you remember the penguin? And he has this scene in here where he tosses, he's going to kill the firstborn. It's time. These are the names of the firstborn sons of Gotham City. Just like I was. And like me, a terrible fate waits for them. So who was, was claiming that the firstborn were going to die? Who was that? Pharaoh. Did Pharaoh say the firstborn are going to die? Moses said it, right? So... There's all this Egyptian like, like things that are placed in this movie. So I, I, it's kind of telling me that they have this Egyptian theme going on here. What about this scene where the penguin became part of the penguin? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. right now so whose side is Moses on but he's the bad guy in the movie are you starting to see how they flip it upside down and hand it to you Batman's the good guy he's on this side and who's he fighting against the guy that was tossed in the river in a basket they're starting to attack God and his people and his followers and everything and they misportray them as the bad guys and Satan is is, is his, portraying his characters as the good guys. So The Dark Knight, this movie that came out that took the world by storm, it's the seventh largest movie, has a character in it that is probably one of the most notorious characters in the whole superhero thing, the, uh, the Joker. In fact, the Joker's had, had a, a major role in the whole Batman series for a long time. So I want to ask you a question. Based on what I just showed you right there, and using law of deduction, if Batman is the devil, who is the Joker? Interesting. Interesting. 
You see, if you have a movie where you have the devil fighting a worse devil, is that very exciting? No. So he's got to fight the other side. Now, there was this scene where the cards, the Joker always hands out these cards. And there was a scene right here where something blew up, and there's only a few cards that you can actually pick out what the description of the, or what, it, what the cards look like. This card, this card, this card, and this card. What does that look like? A dragon. What does that look like? With a devil's tail. What does that look like? A snake. And then you have a picture of the Joker, the Joker's card. So, in Revelation 22, it says, And he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, Satan. So here, the, the cards that are shown to you are the dragon, the serpent, the devil, and then also the joker. And we'll come back to why they show you this. But how many of you have ever seen playing cards and seen these pictures on playing cards? These aren't playing cards. The joker wasn't handing out playing cards. He was handing out things that looked a lot more like these, and these are for real tarot cards. So what's interesting is they're telling you something. They're giving you a message by handing out these cards. And for those people that know about tarot and mysticism and new age and all that, we'll be able to spot this in a heartbeat. To us Christians, it goes right over the tops of most of our heads because we don't read tarot cards. The entire pack of playing cards is symbolic in its origin and finds its fullest expression in the 22 major enigmas of the tarot pack, followed by... The 56 lesser enigmas, the latter comprised of 14 figures in each of the four suits. When the card goes to specify, or it goes on to specify that various symbols used in the playing cards, such as the king and the queen and the knight and the jack, were in relation to the tarot pack. The joker means the fool because he's being held up for ridicule. So in the tarot card, they have a tarot card that is called the fool. And he's the one that's made fun of. That's why in a playing deck card, you don't ever play with the jokers. You leave them aside because he doesn't play with the rest of them. So this fool description, this joker description, and as some of you pointed it out already, where the joker is more of a representation of Christ, is the fool. He's being held up for ridicule. Here's the tarot teachings. The fool card, this is, what it, this is what it means in the fool card. Innocence, beginning, simplicity, fresh start, and blind faith. Doesn't that sound a lot like, like Christ? Christ is innocent. He is the beginning. It's also the, the end. But he has a fresh start. He, had, he, he, was blind. he wasn't blindly believing in God, but he put all of his faith in God. In fact, in a cult website picked it out, the occult origins of the Joker, and they said it's also significant, the very name, the Joker, it is reputed that it is based on the tarot card, the Fool. So it's, only the, it's the only card that appears in our modern deck of playing cards, and the tarot Joker, or the Fool, is the only unnumbered card. In fact, another website said the tarot symbolism in the Dark Knight, this person picked up on it said, the Joker in the Dark Knight struck me immediately as an interesting and particularly dark interpretation of the Fool. The Fool card, of course, I, I just showed you that one, innocent. So here in, in uh, one of Batman's um, comic books right here, at the top it says, vote for me or I'll, just, I'll kill you. It's just great marketing. It's the God's honest truth, and everyone knows it. So even he's saying, look, if you don't vote for me, I'm going to kill you. 
And that's, you've you got to understand, the way that the devil views God is through these eyes. If you don't pick God, he's going to come down and he's going to burn the world and he's going to snuff everything out. That's through the devil's eyes of looking at what's going on. So as they write these things, that's kind of the eyes that they're looking at it. In the moment that I am, I was meant to be the cosmic joke. The occult world calls Jesus Christ the cosmic joke. Do you know that? When you read through some of the New Age beliefs, they believe that God is up there one day all of a sudden going to say, ha, 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 everybody, this is a big joke. This is what sin does to you. But now everybody can come back to the real world. And they call it the cosmic joke. I knew the mob wouldn't go down without a fight. But this is different. They've crossed the line. You crossed the line first, sir. You hammered them. And in their desperation, they turned to a man they didn't fully understand. Some men aren't looking for anything logical. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Starting tonight, people will die. I'm a man of my word. <laughs> so did you hear what he's saying? This is why it's important to listen to the words. This was the theatrical trailer that they teased this movie with when it first came out. Batman, or his side rather, um, is talking and saying, look, uh, uh, some people cannot be bought or sold. They just want to watch the world burn. Remember, you're looking through this through the eyes of the devil. He's looking at God saying all God wants to do is burn the world. Then it, talks, it comes from the perspective of the Joker saying, um, starting tonight, people are going to die. And, and for those of you that saw this movie, what he was talking about was there was a scenario in the whole end of the movie where they were going to have to choose between the criminals or the good people, interesting scenario, and which one should live and which one should die. And he says, I'm a man of my word. Well, who's a man of their word? Jesus is a man of their word. So this is what, this is what was said right here. And this is the final scene. Now, keep in mind, I have not seen this movie. Richard actually pointed this out to me. These are the only two minutes of the movie that I have seen. And I didn't want to watch this movie, but, but, but Richard said, you really got to see this scene. This is the final scene between the Joker and Batman. And he says, this is, this is quite fascinating. So that's where this whole thing is taking place. The, the Joker is waiting for this time that everybody's going to burn and that's the scene right now. And here we go. What were you trying to prove? That deep down, everyone's as ugly as you. You're alone. So he's saying, he's saying, okay, right now, it's going to happen. What time is it on the clock? Interesting. What hour are we in right now? We're in that last little tick of that clock. There is no more time on the clock, people. And they know it, and we know it. And they're pushing the same agenda as them. So here he's sitting there waiting for the world to burn at midnight, and guess what? It doesn't happen. So that's where it's taking place right now. So after the midnight, all of a sudden, it continues on. Don't we? That's okay. I came prepared. It's a funny world we 
Clevin. Speaking of which, you know how I got these scars? No. But I know how you got these. Interesting. So he's saying it's a funny world we live in. You know how I got these scars? You know what? If they would have put the scars on the Joker's hands, a lot of alarm bells probably would have went off in your, in your guys' minds. But guess what? They put the scars on his face, and it just goes right over the tops of a lot of people's heads. So he throws him off the building, and he saves him by his little, like, Batman arrow thingy or whatever, and, and he's going to wheel him up on the thing. And I want to point something out. Remember what I talked about the tarot card thing? It grabbed him on his left leg, and he's now going to be wheeled up in this position. This is very important that I want you guys to see this. just couldn't let me go, could you? This is what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. You truly are incorruptible, aren't you? Huh? You won't kill me out of some misplaced sense of self-righteousness. Who has a misplaced sense of self-righteousness? He is the epitome of self-righteousness. And here he's even calling him out like that, that you have self-righteousness. And as the camera turns over, he actually does this whole entire scene upside down with his arms outstretched like this. And because you see the scene in a right-side-up way, and he's actually hanging down, if you were to hang upside down, your hands would hang like this. It actually takes effort to hold them like this. And that's how he's actually doing this entire scene. The Joker won. Harvey's prosecution, everything you fought for. I'm not. Whatever chance you gave us of fixing our city dies with Harvey's reputation. We bet it all on him. The Joker took the best of us and tore him down. People will lose hope. They won't. They must never know what he did. Five dead. Two of them cops. You can't sweep that off. just said right there that was probably kind of very hard to hear he's now saying that that the joker's gonna win because because this harvey dent person is killed and all of a sudden now it's like everything that they had worked for is going to be um, um destroyed and so he's saying you know what um um you either live long enough to uh see yourself become the hero or you or you die the villain or no wait is that what he said 
you die the hero. You, you, or you see yourself live long enough to become the villain. And he says, then I'm not the hero. So if he's not the hero, he's the villain. And he's making that point. But you know what's going on right here? Remember, this is after the midnight hour, okay? So all of a sudden in this next scene, what you're going to hear him say is he's going to say everything that, the, that happened to Harvey Dent, which Harvey Dent killed and murdered a bunch of people, I now want to transfer that onto me and everybody's going to chase me and then he's got to go running. Is that ringing any bells? Day of Atonement? scapegoat, transferring the sins onto, onto yourself and then becoming the, that villain that takes everything on for the sake of Gotham? You're condemning. Set the dogs on me. Because that's what needs to happen. Because sometimes the truth isn't good enough. Sometimes people deserve more. So he says, sometimes the truth isn't good enough. Sometimes people want more. What's better than the truth? Is there anything greater than the truth? And here, he, the, the name of their program that shuts their whole operation down is called Lucius Fox. And what's interesting about the word Lucius is it comes from the word Lucifer. You ever heard of the Lucifer Trust? which is now the Lucius Trust, this word derives from the word Lucifer. The new Batman movie that's coming out, the next one, after Batman runs away and everybody chases him, he's basically the escape goat. Guess what happens now? Batman movie, the next one's titled The Dark Knight Rising. Anybody ever heard of the Phoenix rising from the ashes? You know what the devil's going to do after he gets transferred all the sins on? to him and he has to sit here for a thousand years and think about what he's done and then all of a sudden the city of Jerusalem comes in the sky again guess what he's going to do he's going to rise up one more time to get everyone to fight against that city so I think it's very interesting that that that's the title of the next one this whole thing with the with the the cards that I was pointing out to you earlier the only card that's burning is which one the joker card not the devil not the not the dragon or not the snake card in fact, the Dark Knight, it makes a lot of sense why their poster said, Welcome to a World Without Rules. And they're putting this out there with Batman's symbol on there, even though that may be something that the Joker said, but I find that kind of a subtle, interesting um, thing that they put on there. So if you look at all these superheroes, the Christ versus the character of Satan, which side do they mostly start to fall on? Christ shows his true identity, never changing, not known as to have physical beauty on this earth, was uh, turning the other cheek, the power comes from God, and Satan has, power, has multiple identities, um, always has, has uh, um, masked himself with physical beauty, bent on revenge, and his power comes from himself, not God. And then this movie Thor just came out, or no, it's coming out, I think. This is the trailer to Thor. Okay? Thor is one of the original superheroes also, and um, I want you to listen to the scenario. That's why it's so important you guys, to just listen to the words that are said and tell me if any alarm bells go off in your head. My battery might be getting low. 
Oh yeah, this is the scene in the in the um. The, what does that kind of look like? Well, it looks like it looks like not anything we know of on this planet. It's beautiful. It's like this like depiction of. of let me just put it in your mind. Heaven. I have sacrificed much to achieve peace. For, through your arrogance and stupidity, you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives to the horror and devastation of war. You are a vain, greedy, cruel boy. And you are an old man and a fool! You're unworthy! Father, Take from you your power, and I cast you out. Please open your eyes. Oh no, this is a. Uh... Does 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 anybody else see see why we're talking about this? Why it's so important not to sit in a dark room soaking in these thoughts. I can't even begin to tell you, you guys, I have seen movie after movie after movie after movie. I sat in a theater in college and would just jump from one to another. It was only after I started a relationship with God and started reading my Bible and started praying. I was still watching the same movies that all of a sudden I went back and I rewatched the first movie that I watched and I went... Whoa, they're attacking the Bible. They're attacking God. It is so difficult to pick this stuff out. You don't even understand until somebody points it out to you or you watch it with an open eye. When you get into the theater, it's an amazing experience because it's dark and all of a sudden they've got all these like emotions going, the music and everything, and you get lost in it. And you know what? I don't even have time to show you guys tonight. But I found a guy, if you guys want to do some interesting research, go home and type in two words on YouTube. Type in the movie Inception and Hypnosis and watch the little videos of the guy that's like standing with, there's like a nature background behind him. He's a hypnotherapist and he's sitting there talking about how they're using hypnosis in movies to bring you and plant seeds in you and he thinks it's a wonderful thing. And he goes through and he shows you exactly the techniques of how they use the hypnosis. They tell a U-shaped story. They start the story up here. They tell another story. Then they move down the ladder. And when you get to the bottom of the ladder, you are in your deepest hypnotic state. And they indoctrinate you with a seed. And he says they'll do it in movie after movie after movie. And Chris Nolan, who did The Dark Knight, let me tell you, he did Inception, Memento, all of those are Gnostic films. These guys have a vendetta to put out there these ideas that they believe. So be careful, you guys. Know what it is that, that the devil is, is fighting just as hard. We know we're in the midnight hour. So I want to show you this, and, and I'm going to leave you on this one. The Justice League of America is um, um, when they put all the comic superheroes together. They have Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and everything. And this is the very end of Grant Morrison's run of this whole entire series. So this is like the final battle, if you will, in the whole like Justice League of America series. And see if any 
similarities of everything we've been talking about is, is happening even in these uh, super... The big climax to Grant's run near the end of the 90s was World War III, which climaxed with every man, woman, and child on Earth temporarily inheriting superpowers so that they could team up with the Justice League to fight off Armageddon from above. It was the most amazing sight. Six billion people all rising from the earth, all flying, look up in the sky. It's, it's six billion people. Any alarm bells? Six billion people flying off of the earth, all going to fight a coming Armageddon in the sky. Do you think six billion people are going to go to heaven? I hope so. But, but, but you know what this is? This is a, them sitting there saying, here comes the city of Jerusalem. Let's fight against it. Revelation 20, verse 7. 20, um, verse 7. And when the thousand years are up and expired, Satan was loosed out of his prison to go out and deceive the nations, Gog and Magog, which are the four quarters of the earth, to gather them to the battle, the number of whom is of the sand of the sea. And they went up to, and, and on the breadth of the earth and encompassed the camp of the saints about that beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Do you think it's possible that the devil is in conditioning people to accept and believe his characteristic, his leadership. We know that the last masquerade for Christ is to come as the cosmic Christ, to come as the new age Jesus Christ. There's no mistake that you see Neo from the Matrix as Jesus Christ. You see Superman as Jesus Christ. You see all these other depictions of who Jesus Christ is. Because you know what? The devil knows why the Jewish nation missed Christ the first time. Because they were looking for the wrong Christ. So all of a sudden, if the devil puts out all these ideas of who Jesus Christ is, oh, no, he's like this. No, 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 he's like that. And you're not reading your Bible and you don't have a relationship with Christ. Let me tell you, there's a deception that will come and it will be greater and grander than anything you can imagine. I used to think that the deception was going to come from the television. I used to tell everybody, there's televisions in everybody's home now. They got televisions in people's cars. They got televisions in gas stations when you're in the gas pump, in the food line. That's how the devil's going to get around. Every eye shall see him. But you know what? Some of the new technology that's coming out. Have you guys ever seen that hologram band? Did you see that? They've now gotten so good with holograms that they can actually have a hologram band in every country around the world simultaneously playing, and it's like a real concert. People will go there and just watch these holograms. They've been experimenting in Japan with holograms coming out of the sea, like they have dragons and all this stuff coming out of the sea on a grand scale. Let me tell you, we got so many satellites floating up there in that air, it is going to get weird. That's why I'm telling you, you have to react and learn to have a relationship with God off of faith, not off of your emotions. Because if you get on your emotions, what's going to happen, let me tell you, as all these things are going are to come at you from sounds and sights and people, I mean, it's going to be an emotional roller coaster. And if you don't know how to have that commitment to God, just like Christ did in the Garden of Gethsemane, then we are going to see a lot of our brothers and sisters fall. Well, I don't have any time for any more. I was going to actually show you a bunch of stuff about Michael Jackson, but... <laughs> oh. Do you guys want to see that? Yeah. <laughs> 
It makes sense why 1 Corinthians said, have, there's no temptation that has taken you with such common as demand, but God is faithful who will suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but, with, with, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. So think about that. God will always give you a way of escape. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Do not follow after these superheroes and things as the world does. Boy, my computer is like so slow. <laughs> All right. So Mr. Michael Jackson, the king of pop. The reason I wanted to bring this up is because, you know what? He was the most watched thing on television in the history of the world right now. The most eyes that ever watched television at one point in time was during his death. That tells me a lot of what people were really, really into. So Michael Jackson, this guy that dresses up like, kind of like a woman, and he dances around screeching on himself, and uh, I don't know, that's maybe a bad term to use. But look at this. He's more of a corybant. A corybant was an old Greek worshippers of the goddess Sybil. They had long hair, waved like a woman. They were heavily made up, their faces resembling whitewashed walls. They were castrated and keepers of children and infants, partaking in the coming-of-age rituals. They practiced magic and divination to make money. They made wild cries and high-pitched shrills as they performed their dances to the music of the pipes of the dull beat and the tambourine. And when the deity entered them, they were possessed by divine power and they would dance uncontrollably in an ecstatic frenzy. What does it take to become the king of pop? The king. How badly did he have to sell it? If you guys want to see an interesting documentary on YouTube, look at the music industry exposed. Holy tamole. These guys are all deep into that kind of a thing. But this, this looking like a woman, and look at how they portray him as Michael in white. Michael the archangel? They're portraying him as like this beautiful androgenic god. I mean, that one, you can't even tell that's a man. So how many of you have been to Disneyland? How many of you remember this ride in the 80s? Captain EO. You guys remember that? Michael Jackson's 3D. Now it's like, honey, I shrunk the kids, or maybe they moved it to something else now. I haven't been to Disneyland in a long time. But this was a ride at Disneyland where it was like one of the 3D attractions and everything, right? Captain EO and Michael Jackson was the leader of the Captain EO. So this Captain EO here, interesting that it's a um, triangle. I'll let you uh, think about that for a second, conspiracists. Upside down even. Captain EO, it seems minor, but the actual term in the Greek... Um, version of Isaiah 14, 12, that even though that there's no one way to accurately translate it, it is E-O for the morning star, the dawn of the light. Lucifer is called the morning star, the dawn of the light, and they had no way of translating it, so they called him Cap E-O. And here you have a ride at Disneyland called Captain E-O. Interesting. Do you know why a triangle is used as an occult symbol? What are the degrees of a triangle? What is it? 
60, 60, 60. And in, 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 in uh, zeros mean nothing. And it's also the strongest um, shape. So that's why they use that a lot in, their, in, in occultic things, is the 60, 60, 60. Basically, this Captain EO character here, um, who is a ragtam band that travel around the universe, sharing their light with the rest of the universe and fighting the evil that's actually out there in the universe. And they're a very small group. So I think it's kind of interesting. He has this like, like thing where he runs around and dances and sings and talks to pe or um, shoots his laser or light things at people, and they all of a sudden transform into um, these beautiful characters. They're coming out of the walls that are um, basically all like tied and tethered to the walls. Notice how how everybody is tied. They're symbolizing that if you are involved with God, you are tied to this whole system. Notice his chest. Do you notice that he has this thing on his chest that has rocks on it that light up? And he's wearing white? So in the very end of this whole thing, he transforms this, um, this person that's, at the, uh, uh, that's the leader of this whole group that everybody's tied to and everything and turns her into um, a beautiful woman. And the whole story is quite fascinating that, uh, that um, they use all this, like, you know, light and music. And then she transforms into what almost looks like a woman wearing scarlet a little bit. Hmm. And so the end of the movie where he's sitting here singing, dancing, yay, the whole world has turned into this beautiful place. This is what he's singing. Another part of me. We're taking over. We have the truth. This is our mission to see it through. Don't point your finger. Not dangerous. This is our planet. You're one of us. We are sending out a major love. This is our message to you. They are promoting that that this is what they're trying to get across to you, that we are the ones that own this planet. This is ours. The planets are lining up. We're bringing brighter days. They're all lined up waiting for you. Can't you see? You're just another part of me. The whole occult world is waiting for those planets to line up. And here he's singing that in his song, You're Just Another Part of Me. So here he has this thing on his chest, white, ordained with all of these rocks. I didn't have time to go into it, but I actually started looking into all the different colors. And it's very interesting that um, there's also somebody else that wears white and has stones on his chest that he is our heavenly mediator right now. And that Michael Jackson is directly ripping it off. And he's a musician and he's sharing his music and that's how he's transforming the world. Let me tell you, we talk a lot about the movies, and movies would not exist without the music. Have you ever tried to watch a movie in silent? It's totally lame. <laughs> you, put some, you put some cool beats on there, and you're like, yeah, this is kind of cool. The devil, if he was in charge of the music in heaven, let me tell you the most twisted thing. The, the movie industry is messed up, but man... That's the devil's forte. He has that music industry totally wrapped around his finger. And those guys 
are spreading their messages like there's no tomorrow. You can't, you can't walk into a superstore today without the music blaring at you. And you can't choose whether you want to hear that or not. You know? They don't play movies just on the side walls wherever you go, but they play music everywhere. They are creating this whole atmosphere that the devil is wanting to promote his kingdom and his, his regime here on earth. So as I leave you guys here this afternoon, I want you to really seriously consider some of these things. Seriously consider. The Ten Commandments are very clear. The whole Bible is chock full of warnings against idolatry. The children of Israel, when they were standing on the promised land, and, and the Midianite kings and invited Balaam to come over and, and, and curse them. And all of a sudden he was saying, uh, I can't curse them, I can only bless them. So, so he ended up blessing Israel, but he went back to the Midianite kings and he said, you know, the only way that you can beat Israel is to get them to worship anything other than their God and they're yours. And that's exactly what they did. So be careful. The devil knows that that works. And he's putting these idols out there. Be careful to be ensnared by them. And I implore you, know what you are putting in your mind. Guard well the avenues to your soul. Because that is the only way that the devil has access to us is through those avenues. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this weekend. I pray that there's messages that, that, that these Everyone is heard in this room that, um, Lord, just will inspire them to have a closer relationship with you. Lord, may you send your mightiest angels to guard well everyone that's here. And, um, Lord, may this be a wonderful and precious Sabbath. And may we draw ever so close to you this weekend. Love you. Amen. This message was produced by GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. GYC seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians in contemporary contexts. To download or purchase other resources like this, or if you have been blessed by GYC and would like to donate, visit gycweb.org or email info at gycweb.org. You could also reach us via mail at P.O. Box 3786 Ann Arbor, Michigan 48106. This recording is licensed under Creative Commons. This means you can copy and share it with anyone you like. Please attribute this recording to GYC wherever you reuse it, and keep in mind that resale and alteration are strictly prohibited.